Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. Today we close out our Advent series, Wonders of His Love, and we're reading a classic, a classic. Um, You may know this by heart. (laughs) So I'm going to start in John chapter 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you did send your son. piece of you to us, so lowly, so not what you would imagine a a king coming. Thank you, Father, that we have your gift of salvation, eternal life, true security, a true home in you because you sent your son. Thank you, Father, that we have life and life to the fullest in you alone. I ask that you be with Billy as you speak through him today, that your word would come to life in our hearts, that it would ignite and it would fuel joy and peace and love, because that is who you are. Please uh, guide Billy's words. Holy Spirit, would you uh, make yourself known in this place? Thank you, Father, for all, all that you've done. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you all got everything you wanted, or at least you're happy with what you got. So I actually pride myself on being a good gift giver. Um, I do. But if I'm honest, I've had some pretty low moments. So travel back with me, if you will, to 1998 to encounter 10-year-old Billy. My mom took us to the store, Toys R Us, uh, Toys R Us to be exact, uh, and gave us money so that uh, my brothers and I could all buy each other gifts. And so I honestly cannot remember what I got my oldest brother, Drew, but I will never forget what I got my brother, Daniel. I got him a copy of Pokemon Red, one of the first Pokemon games on the Game Boy. It was the new craze. Everyone wanted this game. But if I'm honest, this is really a gift for Billy, right? This is a gift that I really wanted for myself. I remember after wrapping the game and putting it under the tree, I I, I could not stop thinking about it. It's all I could think about. And so that night, after everyone goes to bed, I go and I reach under the tree, grab the gift, and I gingerly unwrap it. I open the box, I crack the shrink, right? And I beheld the small Game Boy cartridge in all its glory. And I stuck back to my room and started playing it that night. And then I put it back in the box, wrapped it back up, and put it safely back under the tree. Y'all, I did this every single night leading to Christmas. <laughs> Fast forward to Christmas morning. 
My brother Daniel is confused as to why the game was clearly already open, but quickly knew what happened when he saw the save file named Billy. So hopefully, right, you guys are better gift givers than 10-year-old Billy. Right, for some of you, you love buying gifts, right? It's really fun to do that. You love to give people gifts and to see their face, to, to see their face light up and smile. You love thinking and planning about what you're going to get them. For others, maybe gift giving or gift receiving is a source of anxiety and worry, right? Like when someone gives you a gift, all of a sudden, you know, you look happy on the outside, but internally you're like, what? Why? What am I going to get you? I didn't get you anything. Ah! Hopefully, though, you guys, again, as you look back at your Christmas, you enjoyed all the presents under your tree. Maybe you're, I hope not, planning to swing by the UPS store on your way home. But today, we come to the last Sunday of the year, right? Our final Sunday in our series, looking at Advent. And I can't help but think about gifts. Now, we selected the passages that went with each of these sermons, right? That went with each of these themes months ago. And I picked this passage specifically to challenge me and you guys largely because it's overly familiar. John 3.16. I have very little doubt that most of you in here could quote this with no problem. Right? This is probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible. Martin Luther called it the Bible in miniature. It's the first verse that I can remember memorizing. But it's never really stuck out to me as being a Christmas verse. But hear that first line again with me. For God so loved the world that he gave. This verse is about the most important gift that's ever been given. But this verse is also about the character of God, the giver himself. Because the God of the Bible is a God who gives. First thing we see is that God gave, right? If you were to crack open your Bible to the very first pages of Scripture, you would find a God who is a giver. In Genesis 1-1, we see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God didn't need us, but he gave everything to us. In Genesis 1 alone, God gives us light and darkness, day and night, water, dry ground, vegetation, the stars, birds, and all animals. He brings life and abundance. And then who does he give all this stuff to? You and me. Right? Genesis 1.26, this is what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God didn't have to give, right? He could have created a world without color. He could have created a world without joy, but God didn't do any of those things. Instead, he freely created this world so that we could enjoy it with him. For God, it's like the dawn of creation is Christmas Day. God is the great giver who gives to us freely. Again, from the dawn of creation, this is who our God is. He's the one who gives and delights to give. So in the shadow of Advent, and now in the glory of Christmas, how are you reflecting him? Do you freely give right? No strings attached. And I'm not just talking about stockings and gifts under a tree, but on a Tuesday in January. How might you give out of your creativity and love, expecting nothing in return? Because that's the kind of God we believe in. 
He's a God who doesn't grow weary in wonder. Michael shared a quote on the follow-up, which if you don't know what that is, every week we do a podcast where we look back at the sermon so that we can kind of talk about, hey, that was Sunday, now it's Tuesday, Wednesday, like, what do I do with this? And so we, we, we record that podcast every week, and he shared this quote that I just keep coming back to over and over again, and it's from G.K. Chesterton, and I just, I just want to share it with you. This is what he says. He says, because children have an abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately because he's never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. When you and I give, we reflect just a little bit of his goodness and character. God gave all all these wonderful things to us, right? Perfect creation. And what did we do with it? We, we broke it. Do you ever get a gift and then immediately break it? Hopefully no. I mean, unless you're 10-year-old Billy, maybe you do. Friends, that's what we did. God gave and, and we broke. We have sinned and grown old. After we leave the glory of creation, we see that the rest of the story of the Bible is a story of God giving and us breaking. He gives to a man he names Abraham, and Abraham does his own thing. He gives to Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, and they do their own thing. The gift God is giving over and over is himself. God gives, and the people break the relationship. Gift, broken, gift broken gift broken god gave and we broke a few years ago my wife hannah was trying to pick up crocheting again and so i'm I'm watching her sit in the living room if you don't know what crocheting is think knitting except it's like kind of one needle right it's like a hook kind of thing and and i'm watching her do this and i'm like how do you do that like how are you like making this hand motion and somehow a scarf is coming out of that i don't understand and so she she tried to show me the process and i I did my best y'all to try i did i sat there i was like you gotta go go under and you gotta loop it around and i couldn't couldn't figure it out it seems so long and so tedious so imagine with me and i know you know not everybody's going to track with this illustration but just come alongside me here imagine you could knit or you could crochet and you sit down and you're going to work on a beautiful sweater for a dear friend this friend loves thoughtful gifts and you're like nothing more thoughtful than a handmade well-crafted gift and you get really ambitious. You incorporate intricate patterns, and, and then you're showing other people, and people are blown away, and they're like, wow, that's an incredible sweater. I've never seen anything like it. And the day comes, and you're like, man, this is going to be awesome. They're going to be blown away. And you give the gift, and they open it, and they're like, thanks so much. I really, really like it. You're not buying that, right? But you're not going to give in yet. You're still going to hope in the magic of Christmas. 
Maybe that, maybe that sweater's going to grow on them. They're going to see how much work you put in, all the detail that you cared for. Fast forward. It's a few weeks later. You go to that friend's house for dinner. And you're having a great time. You're laughing. You're enjoying life together. And then you head to the bathroom. And on your way to the bathroom, you look in one of the rooms and you see, hanging out of a box, a sleeve. You recognize it. You think, nah. They wouldn't do that. Nah, it's not that. But then you have the audacity to peek in, and sure enough, it's this sweater that you worked so hard for, and you read the side of the box, and it says, Goodwill. Your friend is going to donate this gift that you lovingly labored over, carefully put together for this person. They're just going to throw it away. That, friends, is what we have done to God. God has given, and humanity breaks it. God gave creation, and we ravage the planet. God gave us marriage, and we get divorced. God gave us parenthood, and we neglect our children. And on and on and on, God gives, and we break. Or, worse yet still, we take the things that he has given us, and we worship and appreciate them over and above who he is. When we love our marriage more than God, it breaks them. When we love our children or our minds or our planets or whatever, the things that we idolize, the things that we worship, they tend to actually be good things. Family, homes, jobs, education, toys, and on and on and on. But if we love those things more than God, we're committing this very same sin that our first parents, Adam and Eve, committed. We're worshiping the gift and not the giver. Here's the thing. The gift cannot stand under the pressure of our worship. It will break. So as we leave Christmas this year, you and I have to remember who is the one who gives. Who is the one who holds out the invitation to us? Because the invitation is to see the creator, this great giver, and not just all the gifts that we have, but to behold the great giver himself. See, God has been giving and giving and giving of himself. And John now tells us that God gave us something even more precious than creation. See, God gave his son. The context of this passage is Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, the religious leader, the teacher, who's trying to understand Jesus, and he's bewildered by him. And then we get this epic sweeping verse. that God has a better gift in store, the gift of his son, Christ Jesus. Look at the first part of verse 16. John 3.16a says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave humanity. God gave you and I, us, the best gift imaginable. He gave his son. And, And what happened, right? Did we as humanity receive this gift with open arms? We loved this gift. We accepted him from being from God. That's how the story should have gone, right? That's not what happened, right? Well, how did it actually go? Jesus tells a parable of a man who planted a vineyard. You guys remember this remark? This man put a lot of time and effort into the vineyard. He builds a wall. He digs a wine press. He builds a watchtower. And then he rents out the vineyard to some tenants to care for it and move away. The stipulation would be, hey, you guys care for this vineyard. You, you plant, 
you, you harvest, and I'm just going to take a little bit for me and my family, and you guys can keep the rest. And so when it was time for harvest, the owner sent his servants to collect some of the fruit. What happens? Well, the tenants beat his servants and send them away. The owner then sends another servant and another. They struck the first. They killed the second. And then this happened. Mark 12, verse 6. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. So was the son received? Look at verse 7. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come. Let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. When Jesus told this parable, he spoke it against the teachers of the law and the chief priests. But they were the religious leaders who had the opportunity to receive this gift. He's saying, hey, look, God sent his prophets. You ignored them. In fact, you even killed some of them. And now he sent his son they rejected it. And by doing so, they rejected not only the gift, but the gift giver. God gave his son and we broke him. I want to take a moment to talk about disappointment. So inevitably, right, we all feel disappointment at some point during the holidays. We just do. For some of us, it's because we didn't get the thing we wanted. For others, it's because what we gave wasn't well-received, right? Our kids opened it up, and then they looked at us, and they're like, is that it? You're like, maybe it's none of those, right? Perhaps disappointment came not in the shape of a gift, but in a relationship. A relationship that is maybe still on the rocks. Maybe a relationship that's no longer due to distance or even death. When that feeling of sadness or grief washes over you. Don't push it away. Redirect it. Pause and think for a moment of the great sadness and grief that the father must have felt when we rejected his son. He knew we would reject him, but he sent him anyways. God gave his son, and we broke him. God understands grief in profound ways. But John 3.16 tells us there's hope. It tells us that God gave his son out of love. And that means God didn't send his son to condemn us, to rescue us. God gave his son for us. See, God doesn't want us to be stuck forever in this broken gift of a world. He wants to restore the gift. So hear this verse in all its glory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What this is saying is that God gave us his son. So that if we believe in him, you and I live eternally. We have eternal life. So what is eternal life? Eternal life, friends, is knowing and experiencing God himself. This is what Jesus says in John 17, 3. He says, and this, 
is eternal life, that you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The gift doesn't just get us back to a perfect creation before the sin and brokenness. The gift gets us back to God himself. Eternal life, friends, is having a relationship with the living God. We can have relationship with God through believing in Christ Jesus. And how in the world is that even possible? How did Jesus do this? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The Son of God gave away the wealth of heaven. He made himself nothing. He took on human flesh. He humbled himself. He became impoverished and poor, not just economically poor, but spiritually poor. As he hung on the cross, separated from his father's love, he died. You see, the Son of God didn't just give some away. He gave it all away. Friends, it was because of love that Jesus came. It was because of love that the world, that the word was made flesh and that the light of the world pierced through the darkness. See, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son to display to the world, hey, this is what love is. He gave what we needed. He gave himself in the form of a man. It's interesting to note that the word here, loved, is past tense. God did not love us when we started loving him. No, friends, he loved us before the foundation of the world. He loved us while we stumbled in our sin and groped in darkness. He loved us when we were far from him and brought us near through the power of his spirit. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus did not come to condemn. We were already condemned because of the sin of our first parents. He gave, we broke. He came to save. He came to redeem. He came that we could be born again. And again, the sadness of this passage is that many would reject him and eventually kill him. But this wickedness does not catch God off guard. He knew that too. He knew that the Son of Man would be lifted up to die. And yet, still he came to redeem his own. Friends, this should serve to remind us of the glory of salvation. It should cause us to rejoice in the love and faithfulness of our God. It should remind us of the gift of Jesus and the joy of life in him. We are his if we believe on his name. Truly special gifts usually involve preparation and waiting, right? You usually don't get the most meaningful gifts on Christmas Eve, (laughs) right? If you were standing in line at Target, you know, no judgment up here. But truly special gifts are those that we really think about, dwell on, plan, and work on, and then wait. From the exit of Eden, the promise of redemption and hope was given. See, the the divine whisper, it continued throughout all the prophets. Hey, something special is coming. Wait for it. Watch for it. 
hope in it. Then, at just the right moment in time, God sent angels and a star in the heavens to declare the gift is here. It's glory wrapped in flesh, making its dwelling among us in the form of a baby. It was unexpected. It was surprising, but it was exactly what we needed. Second Adam, born of a virgin, born very far from the paradise of Eden, came and lived a perfect life. If I don't quote it at least once, it's not Christmas. One of my favorite songs is a song called Lower Still by a band called My Epic. It talks about laying that small baby in a trough. They laid that small baby where creatures come eat like a meal for the swine who have no clue that he is still holding together the world where they stand. They don't know just how low, but he has to go lower still. See, he walked in and dealt with all the brokenness of the world. He wept, he rejoiced, he went to weddings, he made intimate friendships, he experienced betrayal, he healed, he taught, he loved, he lived a perfect life so that he could die a wrongful death. And his people, they wanted an earthly kingdom. And he ushered in a heavenly one. All of it was part of the gift. And when I consider all the reasons I love giving and receiving gifts, I realize that in Christ, God fulfills them all. You see, in Jesus, God communicates, I notice and care about you. 1 Peter 5, 7. I know what you did, what you need, even when you don't know you needed it. Romans 5, 15 through 19. I give you beauty instead of ashes. Isaiah 61, 3. You are fully known and fully loved. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 12. I rejoice to see you enjoying life. John 10, 10. I want to give you future joy. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. I love you more than I love myself. John 15, 13. Christ, friends, is the one gift needed. He never wears out. He never loses shape, but he continues to grow increasingly dear with each passing year. Like a treasure chest, deeply laden with all sorts of riches, new delights await, ready to be uncovered. See, our, our giving at Christmas, it partially reflects this one great gift. But this morning, in the shadow of the lights and presents, I hope looking back on Christmas morning, those names under your tree, they knew they were loved and they responded with delight. But in the same light, as we consider the gift of Jesus, would you see that you are more deeply loved than you can imagine? Would there be inwardly an expression of delight overflowing into joyful worship? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have loved us with a ferocious, all-pursuing love. On our best days, we are still unworthy of this gift. There has been so much darkness this year, Lord. In Advent, is the perfect season for us to express, Lord, that we are tired and weary and in desperate need of light in this dark world.
would we see the piercing light of the Son of God lifted high. Lord, we know that you lived, you have died, you have risen, and that one day, Lord, you will come again. But we wait in that tension. We've already experienced the promise of your grace, but we've not yet tasted the fullness of it. Oh, Jesus, please be a comfort and peace to us this morning. Pray that you would remind us again and again of the hope that we have in you. The joy that we have in knowing and following after you. Make us a people for your own possession, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.